your New York football giants are NFL playoff winners. We break down the post game after Big Blue goes on the road to Minnesota, 31-24 over those Vikings. Moving on to take on, yeah, that's right, the division rival Philadelphia Eagles. We take a look at Daniel Jones' absolutely huge performance and some of the key sequences that got the Giants the victory. We dive in next. That is right, my friends. It's OGP, the One Giant Podcast post-game coverage. Like we said, impromptu live edition over on YouTube, obviously, because gosh darn it, save the explicit tag here. They did it. The New York freaking football giants actually pulled it off. Um, we came into this game. Andy and I were breaking it down all throughout the week. You may have seen me on uh, with Big Dash Nose earlier today just talking about this game, some of the trepidation, the anxiety leading up to a playoff game for the first time in six years. First win going back to the last Super Bowl run over those New England Patriots. And we talk about game script, big performances. The, the Giants come out. There's a lot of things to be concerned about early in this game. But almost all of it was pushed to the side because of the performance of Daniel Jones. Now, it extends to Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and the game plan that they came in with. The fact that they stayed aggressive throughout this game really mattered. But remember, it opened up with Minnesota coming out and putting seven on the board and feeling like, okay, are the Giants going to be able to answer that bell? Well, they did just that. If the Minnesota Vikings' first drive was relatively easy to get seven, the Giants' opening drive was that much easier. They came back and doubled down with a second scoring drive as well. Then they came in and put on that field goal. You lead this one 17-14 at the half after being up 17-7. You push it to 24-14. to You give up that extra field goal there. But every time that the Vikings put pressure on you, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and we'll talk about it and what Wink Martindale was able to do or not do in this one, but ultimately the offensive side of the ball, was the one that answered the bell time and time again in this game. And it all starts with Daniel Jones. So we're going to take a look at a couple different things here. We're not going to go too long on this one. There's obviously another a playoff game coming up here in just a little bit where hopefully, just maybe, we'll get to see um, some more dynamic games here because there's been some great ones over the course of this weekend. When we talk about Daniel Jones, everybody knows you follow, watch the podcast. I came into this season saying there was a lot of things that I wanted Daniel Jones to continue to show me, show growth, show improvement in all these key areas. He started. Being better, obviously, first and foremost, protecting the ball. That was something that wasn't even nearly as big of an issue going back to last season as some people still wanted to build that narrative. But it's protected the football incredibly well. Wanted to see him be more decisive in his decision-making, work through his progressions. He checked those boxes too. And then also use your legs effectively, stay healthy, stay on the field, and really become a leader for this team. He did that all throughout the season. He continued to check those kind of boxes. And obviously in this game, he did it in <laughs> – in a way that that arguably is the best performance, not even arguably, it is the best performance of his career. Daniel Jones goes into this game and comes out of it, I should say, 24 to 35, 68.6% completion percentage, 301 yards, gives you, I mean, I don't know how you can look this any other way, gives you two touchdowns, uh, comes away with a 47-yard long, but we know, even more importantly inside of this game, really is looking at the rushing attempts for him, 
which go down as I was watching this with uh, Locked On Nets co-host Doug Nori, as we're watching the uh, Nets game now before the other NFL game kicks off here. But you go inside the stats inside of this game, inside the box score, he goes 17 carries for 78 yards, 4.6 yards per carry in this game. That's the second most in a playoff game in NFL history behind only Lamar Jackson, 20 attempts going back to that AFC divisional game from a handful of years ago. It, the reason why it's so impressive, it's not just that it's 78 yards or not just that he ran the ball 17 times. And you heard this on the broadcast. It's because it was a product of what he was seeing from the Minnesota Vikings defense, working through his progressions, and then using his legs to ensure that you got quality out of every single possession, every single play, that you didn't find yourself giving up big chunks of yardage on sacks or forcing into a scenario, and we're going to open it up a little bit broader here, it's only nine carries for Saquon Barkley, three for Matt Breida. Barkley's involved in the passing game as well. We'll discuss that. But ultimately, it, it, we've seen this, and we talked about it in our pre, uh, pregame leading up to this matchup, about how there have been stretches where Saquon Barkley would struggle, 10, 12, 13 carries in a first half, but you know, 35, 40 yards. That wasn't even the case in this game. He was explosive in very limited usage, two touchdowns, 5.9 yards per clip. But it was more about... When you came out on the offensive side of the ball, it was very clear that Daniel Jones was the most dangerous weapon that you were going to have with both his arm and his legs. He did it effectively. He did it smart. We're not going to know the QBR just yet here. The rating is 114. Took three sacks in this game. Just 12 yards, though, in those instances. And the one of them, by the way, came when they were trying to bleed the clock out before they punted back to Minnesota. He did the smart thing, rolled out, looked, looked, waited, drained a handful of seconds off and then went down on that sack to ensure you stay inbounds, you keep the clock running, et cetera. Everything about his game, everything about his game was flawless today. I can't think of, I mean, there, you know, we, we'll talk about nitpicking things and stuff you want to clean up. Beautifully thrown balls all over the field. And by and large, by the way, everybody stepped up. And I'm going to go immediately to a couple of key things when we talk about this wide receiver room. So I mentioned Saquon Barkley, 5 for 56, a 24-yard long, 11 yards per catch there on six targets. So everyone inside of this room did a really good job of rewarding Daniel Jones for working through those progressions and finding them in great spots. We know it's a bad Vikings defense. We know there's a lot of exposable areas of the field, but you still got to go out and execute in order to really put the pressure on that defense. So you have Saquon Barkley with a big performance. You have Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins, you'll hear from Andy Makowitz this week about how he got a couple of shekels down off of that touchdown there. Eight catches, 105 yards, toe tapping on the left sideline, big play after big play, and that's on nine targets. So really rewarded it. Now, we can look at Darius Slayton, and I'm, I'm, I'm going right to it because I know it's where fans are going to want to go, and then I'm going to wrap up my little soliloquy and open this up here if you're in over on YouTube. Get into the chat with me. Hit up the questions. Hit up the celebration. Anything you want to say, especially knowing that Philadelphia is on tap next week for Big Blue. But listen, does it look typical here? Eight targets, just four catches. That absolutely brutal drop there on what could have been a catch and run to seal the deal. Who knows what happens on that play? Yes. And you also have the one in the back of the end zone, which I'm not putting on Darius Slayton. It's a high-pointed ball. It's a great defensive play. Pushes his hands away from being able to bring that one down. I thought that Darius Slayton had a very solid game. The 88 yards, 22 per catch. Go back to the last time these two teams met. It was the very similar line. Four catches, 75-plus yards. That's what you need him to be. 
And he can be that when you're getting the performances from Isaiah Hodgins, when you got Richie James, four tar, uh, four catches, excuse me, and six targets, 31 yards, 7.8. This was the full effort. Just two for 17 for rookie Daniel Bellinger, but also the touchdown. And that came on a beautifully designed play where you have all the action going to the right side of the field. Bellinger bleeds out to the left. Daniel Jones probably has the option to go ahead and keep that ball in his hands and run for that touchdown, but he's wide open there in the flat. It's a very easy decision. Great connection, great throw, converts, and the Giants get the score there as well. This is a game that when you come back and look at it, as we'll flip over to Minnesota here for a little bit, that again, you have to keep reminding yourself, you hold Minnesota 24 points, you have a lot of things happen on the defensive side of the ball. Aziz Ojolari goes out. So we'll see what happens with his quad and if he'll be available for next week. Then you get Thibodeau, gets his hand stepped on. Only a couple plays, but comes back in. Then you get Pinnock going down, right? Really brutal hit there. Gets the, the heel of the Minnesota's uh, Minnesota player's foot into his chest. He has to leave the game. And in those closing sequences on the big stop, there's so many things that happen on those last couple of plays. You get rookie Cordell Flott making the play. Does it, does it hit you know, Osborne in the chest a little bit? Sure. But his arm is in there. He's disruptive on it. And then on the last play there, when Kirk Cousins looks over to that sideline, you're going to come up well short, obviously. It's Xavier McKinney on Justin Jefferson. It's Dame Belton on the back end with Julian Love in the safety roles here. So that's Wink Martindale. For everything that wasn't necessarily working, you go back, you know that Kirk Cousins had done a much better job against the Blitz over the back end of this season, was much better against the Blitz in the previous meeting against the Giants ran a lot of soft zones, tried to do a lot of different things. It, it, the results were the results. But in that closing sequence, with the thin availability that you had on your roster, you end up with rookies. You end up with rookies making plays and putting one of your best players in Xavier McKinney in a key spot to try to step up, right? Because you have a Dory Jackson trying to battle all game long. And the 31 for 39, 273, two touchdowns, 112.9 rating for Kirk Cousins. That's all well and good, and he had a good performance. You're not going to put the loss on him if you're Minnesota. But we talked about it coming in, too, as I think a lot of people did. You know, Justin Jefferson, well, you're going to try to contain him, but you're not going to be able to stop him. Seven for 47 in this game. And, I, and oddly enough, I think we should have all thought about this one. 10, 129, TJ Hawkinson. Those big numbers are very controllable over the course of a game. Hawkinson is not likely to take a five to seven yard route and end up breaking off a 65 yard touchdown. Justin Jefferson is. So when you keep him to 6.7 yards per reception and the giants have done this all year, keep the plays in front of you. It affords a defense that has a myriad of holes to be able to play swarming defense, to try to be able to rally to the ball, right? Make some key stops and key moments when necessary and come out with a win. I, there's, I, I don't have, there's nothing negative here. This is this is the ten out of ten. Chef's kiss. Move on. It's a it's a perfect performance in every in every single way, and that's not because everything was perfect. But I don't know how you can be a New York Football Giants fan right now. Come out of a game like that, get the first win in a, a decade in the playoffs, be in the playoffs for the first time in six years, and not just be totally elated. I had to wait a little while before I came on to do the post game live because I was not only buzzing from the win, I was exhausted. Because it, it, this and this is something that we talked about a little bit on the podcast as well. These past handful of years, the Giants aren't making the playoffs. You're analyzing how the players look. Are they a part of the future? Can you build on this? You have the dysfunction, the bad coaches, the turnover, all these things. It's been a long time since we've been locked in for the entire season on every single game mattering for this team. 
and then getting to a playoff game and having that different type of vibe and different type of energy. So shout out to Marty, man. I see you in here right now. You have been obviously the frequent flyer with us, Fernando as well. So many of those familiar guys. Side guy, I think we, you know you were pretty close, I think. So we did our predictions. Andy had 24-20. I had 27-24 Giants. So I feel pretty nice about what I accomplished today. I think, Side Guy, you went 34-20. Ooh, I want to say 28 maybe in favor of the Giants, but I can't remember exactly. But you were right there too. And it's one of those games, man. It's one of those games where when you give up those first couple, I'll say, when you give up that opening possession touchdown, you think, all right, we're in for a shootout. The 11-minute 20 play touchdown drive that Daniel Jones led the Giants on that's critical inside of this game and we're, we're going to break this thing down a little bit more for one more day before guess what as Brian Dable would say right turn the page ready to move on focus on Philly got to get ready for the next game but when you go and look inside of these team stats boy is it really hard to not understand how the Giants won this game when they won the first downs 28-21 when they won the third down efficiency, 7 of 13 for the Giants, 4 of 10 for the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Both teams went for multiple fourth down conversions. Giants got both. Total plays, 68 to 56. That's how you beat Minnesota, by limiting how many possessions and how many opportunities they're going to get in the game. 431 to 332 in total yardage. Another big thing you have to talk about here in this one. Listen, it's five penalties for the Giants. It's not perfect. But they've been a team that's had seven, eight, and nine penalties a game, limiting those and not having like massive penalties in critical moments. And I'm even going to go ahead and just push that Dexter Lawrence roughing the passer one right to the side because, by the way, that costs you 15. So four for 30 is a very impressive defensive performance just from playing a clean game and, and team overall, obviously. 33 minutes to 26 minutes and change. That's time of possession. Win the time of possession battle. We talked about this coming into it. Don't have turnovers. Play a smart offensive game that stays pretty aggressive. And they did that in the fourth quarter from their own 45, going for it on fourth down, knowing even being up seven, you're leaving a short field potentially. And I went over this with Doug. We we're talking percentage numbers while we we're watching the game about fourth downs. There's a reason why you go for those. And I, I said it to him while we were watching, and I'll say it here. Go back to week one against the Tennessee Titans. We're going to go for that win, the two-point conversion. That was Brian Dable. He said it in the postgame, sending a message. This is our mentality. This is how we approach our season. This is how we approach every game. And that really is a full circle moment to come back into a game like this and say, hey, this is what we said our mentality was going to be all year, and we're not going to back off from that now rewarded across the board. I, I, there, there's nothing else I can say here about how impressive this game was, how exciting it was. Marty had 27-24 right along with me. Good, Marty. That's where you should be. Ride with me, man. Uh, LJ, this was DJ's. Listen, you know, another thing too, coming out party, he's had uh, an above average season, but this was, a yeah. I, I, I think it's a great way to encapsulate this. Um, and, and listen, some fans have, have really been bullish about Daniel Jones. Um, we've had our moments across the podcast where I said, I just want to keep seeing that growth. This is a playoff game, right? It's not even doing the regular season. It's not about beating the Colts up. Who cares? Not, not a good team. This is a playoff game. First playoff game for him. First playoff game for Saquon Barkley. So many players making their playoff debuts, including a ton of rookies, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal. We'll talk about him more. First playoff appearance for Andrew Thomas, right? All of these guys stepped up in a big way, but none bigger than Daniel Jones. And no matter what happens here, and hey, listen, we're going to get excited. We're going to start thinking about the ways in which we can beat Philadelphia. But no matter what happens, 
this is a very career-defining moment for Daniel Jones. Because now you know that when it comes to this offseason, guess what? There will be suitors if the Giants were allowing him to go test free agency in any way, shape, or form, which they're not going to. And I said this as well, not to get too far afield. There's not going to be a price tag that you're going to shy away from now because other teams are going to be willing to do that. So this will this was a coming out party, LJ. I 100% agree with you on that. It was a really big, massive statement by Daniel Jones that one, these moments aren't too big for me. Two, that I can play up to the expectations and that I can lead the team. Like I can be the leader of this team and you don't have to squint too hard and remember number 10 leading these type of playoff runs in these type of games and having all that kind of vibe and mentality around him. So um, that's all that this is, man. It's a victory lap. It's an amazing game for the New York football giants. And we just get to kind of sit in this one at least for a day, maybe two. It's going to be Philadelphia. We're going to look at them, but I won't be surprised if we don't even touch Philadelphia until Wednesday's podcast because everything else after that, there's still a ton of great plays inside this game that I want to get to. There's a lot of, there's a lot of critical moments here. Difficult matchups, right? Some key sequences that came that came throughout this one that we're going to want to talk about. And maybe some stuff that we can even carry over to the Philadelphia game. You know, if we're going to say Daniel Jones, this was a statement game and a coming out party for him. Listen, man, I, I know it's a lot um, for Isaiah Hodgins and what he already accomplished down the stretch of this season. But we, you know, I don't think we're too far off from talking about what Isaiah Hodgins is going to be for this New York football Giants team long term. Because when we go back to those game logs and we talk about a guy now who over these last handful, okay, so let's just dial it back to where do you want to go? You know, the four for the four uh, targets, three catches, 31 yards against Dallas and the loss, it's not so impressive. But then starting after that, Washington, Philly, Washington, Minnesota, Colts, and then Minnesota in this playoff game. Five for 44, touchdown. Four for 38, touchdown. Four for 37, no touchdown. A little embarrassing, I know. But eight for 89 and a touchdown. Four for 42 in the touch. And now... Eight receptions, 105, touchdown. He has also arrived. It doesn't mean that we're going to sit here and say that he's a number one wide receiver and we don't have to worry about going out and getting a guy. But you can already think about adding more talent into this wide receiver room and how much better Hodgins is going to be when he is not one of the primary focuses of a defense. And for the most part, it's still Darius Slayton in a game like this as it's been down the stretch of the season because he is the -the over-the-top wide receiver, the guy that can have those big plays And we saw that with the 20 plus yard average that he had in this game and in the prior meeting. But Isaiah Hodgins, man, it's a heck of a step up, heck of a step up by him in this spot. And now we start to think about how dangerous maybe they can be against Philadelphia. Who else we got in the room here? Let's talk about it. I saw this one here before. Karen, the Giants, they played their hearts out. They deserve everything. Get the Eagles stay together. Stay humble. I like to stay humble part, right? Because you got to stay focused. You got to turn the page here pretty quickly. Um, the giants do the team does we can, we can, we can bask in this thing for as long as we think we deserve it, but it was definitely that kind of game felt that way. Uh, look at the games Lawrence and Herbert had DJs for real. Yeah. I mean, listen, and we, we talked about this too. You think about that chargers game, obviously there, there was a world where Daniel Jones came out and looked like Trevor Lawrence did early and then turned it around like Trevor Lawrence did. Right. And it is that much more impressive that he comes in and plays a very clean game. Now, we, I'm not going to get in the weeds on defenses and you know more difficult matchups, et cetera, but that, that's it. Comes in, clean game, leads the team. I couldn't agree more. Being for real, you know, and I know that there's a lot of fans that feel like they already knew this. Hats off to you. 
I, I believe in incrementally improving and also checking boxes. And that's what Daniel Jones did all this year. And now he's done it uh, in the biggest spot possible. So I got brought, yeah, you were in it uh, before here. Once we got mini in pressure situations, 3.24 uh, to go fourth quarter, Cousins stopped coming through. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that Cousins is the reason that that Minnesota didn't win the game, right? Because I think he checked a lot of his boxes. Some of it does come down. It comes down to game script. It comes down to the, the key moments and play calling. Giants got some good pressure in there in the fourth quarter. They weren't getting a lot early on. Um, again, this isn't one where, and we thought about a couple of key moments that if the Giants didn't win this game, would you bring up this play, that call, et cetera? I wasn't going to. Because th this was the kind of game where there isn't anything egregious enough that wasn't at least kind of balanced out on both sides where you you wouldn't walk away saying you won the game or you lost the game. And Kirk Cousins now one and three in the playoffs, which I think is somehow shocking because I, I just assumed, and I, I saw this a couple days ago when we were talking about this game, I just assumed that he had been in five or six playoff games because he's been on good teams and they've had a lot of talent around him. Um, I think he had a good game, and I think that you, this is kind of when you talk about that quarterback. And by the way, when we talk about Daniel Jones, the big moment inside of this game too, or just you know from a high level, is he's he's checking these boxes all year long. Maybe he is a Kirk Cousins kind of guy, and that's not an insult. High level, the stats will all be there, can win you a lot of regular season games, but can he be this? Well, Daniel Jones now 1-0 in his playoff career. That's a start. He has the same number of career playoff wins as Kirk Cousins. Right, so now this is when you start to think about how his ceiling is infinitely higher, whatever that may be. The, the possibility of his ceiling is certainly higher than when you think about Kirk Cousins. And it's again, I'm not going to spend any time knocking anybody else in this one because it's just a celebration for the Giants right now. Just like this, the Giants have turned in. <laughs> you know what? I don't mind that either, uh, 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 David. The Giants have turned into a professional football team. And it's not even like it's not a joke. It's an all cap statement. It has been years since you could think about this team being a legitimate, consistent NFL football team. And they did that for most of this year. And I think this is really the exclamation point. And we didn't even, I didn't even touch on the fact that Brian Dable, right? You have two rookie head coaches making their debuts in the playoffs. Brian Dable comes out on top. We know Mike McDaniel, he lost with the Dolphins there, but put up one heck of a fight with their third string quarterback. A lot of debuts for a lot of head coaches. It wasn't too big for him. We didn't see a lot of errors. We didn't see a lot of bad decision-making. There was only a couple of moments for the coaching staff overall all season. Brian Dable was prepared. The team was prepared. And again, even though I, this isn't a knock on Wink Martindale, I just think we know where the Giants are thin defensively. We know where the holes are. Held up, like held up enough when it mattered most, held up enough in the fourth quarter and got this one sealed up. Tommy, what do you got? Giants will continue to get better. Have yet to play the best football. Uh, Ma Ma Maximus Jones, I don't mind that. Make stars out of replacement players. Rejects been screaming epic. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to go that far just yet. I'm not going to speak those words at the end there. Um, I think Again, I think that Daniel Jones, we talk about these players. Isaiah Hodgins is a guy that I think can be a piece. Again, not calling him a number one, not even calling him a number two. But it's really good to see that. I think you're 100% correct that this is, I hate to use this though, as Andy would say, is Daniel Jones a force multiplier? I, I, it's such a cliche term, but he elevated the play of everyone around him. Like that, that's just that's just a fact, right? And the best quarterbacks in the league, players want to follow them, right? They want to make the plays for them. And that includes even, too, 
Darius Slayton drops that key pass. You feel like he gets off the hook here because the defense gets the stop. You saw him, Jones, going over to Slayton. You saw Brian Dable take a moment with him there too on the sideline. Why? Because we got to turn right back around, and Darius Slayton's going to need to give you four or five catches for 80-plus yards against Philadelphia if you're going to have a chance to be successful. Um, how did this team go to the playoffs and the judge team didn't even break even? Ah, there's a lot of things there, man. You know, I, I, we'll talk about that, obviously, um, in the offseason, but coaching that, I mean, how? Because Joe Judge is not a good head coach. I mean, he might not be that good of a coordinator potentially, but he, he wasn't a good head coach. It's plain and simple, right? Um, and the offensive coordinating, you know, offensive coordinator was not, was not particularly good. We know, we know who that was now in the booth calling games from the sidelines. So, you know, utilizing players to their best abilities, putting guys in spots to be successful, all of that matters. And, uh, you know, we talk about Isaiah Hodgins. You don't have to look too far here when you go across this roster. And a lot of these guys may or not be, may or may not be here, excuse me, going into next season because there will be a lot of turnover. But if you think about looking through the, this depth chart, and one, you obviously have the draft class, big influx of talent, two top 10 picks, starting tackle, starting edge rusher. But Richie James, new player, Isaiah Hodgins, new player. You talk about having a guy like Daniel Bellinger also drafted, you know, had some success here for the team. Mark Glowinski gets acquired in free agency. You're not going to call him perfect at right guard, but certainly an upgrade. How about Jihad Ward? Big time veteran presence for this defense, obviously. Getting a guy like Jalen Smith, who had been on this team previously. Like all these things matter, right? All of these things matter in a big way. And some of them, are guys like Julian Love, who we said on this podcast, man, it is hard to kind of figure out if he's going to be able to find a way to be successful for this team long term. Well, guess what? Getting a guy like Wink Martindale, who has a lot of NFL experience as a defense coordinator, yeah, I can find a way to use this versatile veteran weapon with experience. He can be a leader for this defensive unit. Coaching. Coaching 100% is as important as anything um, that, that this Giants organization accomplished in this offseason. Uh, let's see what we got here. Never thought I'd say this, but the previous GM chose, uh, and listen, I said this over on Twitter. Um, a lot of people were saying, and I think they were speaking in the context of like AJ, AJ Brown, the chance the Giants could have had to have him. And I, and I responded back. I'm not, it wasn't all perfect. Mistakes were made, including still, you can have, you can have Saquon Barkley be successful and still say second overall pick, but Barkley, Daniel Jones, Xavier McKinney, signing a Dory Jackson in free agency, trading for Leonard Williams and re-signing him, Dexter Lawrence, right? Like you start to look at Aziz Ojalari in spite of the injury in this game. He, he obviously is good if he can stay healthy, right? You start to look through the core of what this team is. And a lot of those guys come from that previous regime. There's no two ways about it, obviously. Yeah. And you know what? Obviously a guy, like I was going to say, there's been mistakes. The contract for Kenny Galladay, not great. But as we shout out, uh, Jay here with the uh, great support. I really appreciate it. And the shout out to Kenny Galladay on that block. Like I know, and it is funny, but guess what? He went out and made that block and then turned back to Saquon and Saquon looked right at him. Like there was an acknowledgement of, hey, $20 million. Is that worth one block? Maybe, maybe not. But those moments matter. And I we don't know what went on all season long here. Is he just Is he just done? Is he cooked? Was he not buying in? Was he ready? Not ready? Whatever the case may be. You needed a physical wide receiver capable of putting a block out on the edge, and Kenny Galladay showed up. So guess what? Yeah, it's totally worth it right now in this moment because you needed that play. Um, we'll see where it goes, obviously, in the offseason. But there, there's 
you know, you need the buy-in. You need the buy-in from everybody in games like this, and you got it. A veteran experienced wide receiver like that could just as easily have said, like, I, I don't really need to be a part of this run. Remember, he'd never been to the playoffs. And he said that during the season. Like, I've never been on a team going on a run like this, winning football games. So even if I'm not the contributor that I thought I was going to be or that I expect to be, I'll, I'll find a way to be available, and we'll see where it goes as these guys uh, continue their run here in the playoffs, starting with Philadelphia next week. Um, that was a pancake block. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. You give the credit where the credit is due. So, um, obviously everybody in here knows the New York football giants won that football game on the road against the Minnesota Vikings 31, 24. It was a breakout performance for Daniel Jones in more than one way playoff debut playoff win contract year coming franchise quarterback level stuff. And when we talk about looking at uh, the AFC and the NFC. Well, now when you start to categorize some of the better quarterbacks in the NFC, knowing that, listen, Tom Brady he may play until he's 60, but Aaron Rodgers, what's going to happen next with him? Daniel Jones is rising the ranks of guys that you would want to have here. And this game is not what made it for me. Um, I probably would have said this already, but when you think about the way Dak Prescott has been playing down the stretch of the season and now coming into a big playoff run for the, for that team, and hopefully a terrible one if you're a Giants fan. Um, you got, right now, I've seen I've seen a player in Daniel Jones that can confidently go out and win you a football game being a leader. Dak Prescott still has a lot to prove in that vein. So when you start to think about the NFC quarterback picture, Daniel Jones is rising those ranks. And we know where he was overall this year. Some of those key stat categories, QBR, completion percentage, a lot of those things that really matter when you're trying to build a successful team. Now the next phase is open it up a little bit more, right? Continue to grow. And who knows, maybe it's going to start happening again next week when we'll find a whole, a whole other phase. By the way, one of the other things I don't want to uh, leave without talking about is just that when you go in and look at this game and you talk about the stats, you're not going to think about Matt Breida as having really significant plays he had a now he had a key conversion getting a first down really worked for it obviously but he was in the game at a far higher clip than he had been and you saw this kind of start to build down the stretch of the season for a lot of players and what that does for opposing defenses and the vikings are not a good defense but you saw how that really helped to shift where the defense was headed, where their eyes were going, where the linebackers were moving, and then opening up opportunities for Saquon Barkley, for the crossing routes that worked more effectively in the first half than they did in the second, for Daniel Jones to be able to survey, assess, and then make decisions about throwing or holding that ball down, moving with his legs, picking up key first downs, right? So all those things kind of work in tandem. And a lot of those questions that we asked about, well, where are these things that we thought we would see earlier in the year between injuries between trades, Kadarius Tony, you know, I think that the playbook kept having these little two-step forward, one-step back kind of moments about them. Remember, no Wandell Robinson after the game number one. Then he comes back, then he goes back down with the injury. And Darius Slayton didn't even play games to start this year. So you keep trying to coach guys up, then deal with the losses, go to the scrap heap, pick up Isaiah Hodgins, Marcus Johnson, all these other players that you're grabbing to throw into the mix – and then you try to ramp them back up again. It's why it's why Richie James, for the most part, I know you know fans want to really get after him for those fumbles, and I get why. But by and large, man, why why has he been so good for this team? It's so important because he's been consistent. Those four or five catches every single game really matter, especially for a quarterback that is seeing a lot of guys come and go over the course of the year. Guys where he wants to have a rhythm, and that's why I think Darius Slayton was able to stick for this team 
is because he has been here right alongside Daniel Jones this whole time. We know they have that good relationship. One more here. I'll let their coaching staff open up the playbook for this game. It shows me they trust their QB, the line, the receivers. Yeah, listen, um, big moments too here. Ev Evan Neal, you didn't say his name negatively too often in this one, which is really important. A rookie starting. We know he's had his up and down struggles, and it's going to be a bigger challenge next week. But yeah, I, I think that the things we don't see on a week-to-week -week basis during the year is it's not about that result Sunday to Sunday. It's about the, you know, the Monday to Saturday, the practices and things they're working on, but not necessarily implementing yet. It doesn't mean you're not trying to build reps. And as the Giants were getting down the stretch and kind of could see, hey, the playoffs are in reach here. The success is in reach here for us. Then you can start to ramp up in the way of how are we going to accomplish this when it matters most in a playoff game. So um, couldn't agree with you more, though. Every, again, it, it really is. It's plus marks across the board for everybody here. That being the case, uh, I want to make sure I came in. I knew that there's no world where I go anything less than 30 minutes on this one, but wanted to make sure we came in, celebrated the victory, let you guys celebrate that victory a lot here as well. Shout out to everybody that jumped in on this. Again, thank you to Jay for that little extra support. We genu genuinely excuse me, appreciate it. Get us on that podcast feed. This live one will probably get chopped up and thrown out there. You can hear it. You can recommend it to other people if you'd like. We'll be back in most likely tomorrow. Let Andy do his victory lap and celebrate as he deserves to as well. And then we'll start to move our way right through this week. Um, get us over on YouTube. Subscribe, like it, share it, recommend it to people. We really continue to try to build this thing. And, you know, we put all the off-season plans and agendas on hold because it is the playoff run now for Big Blue. But there will be so much more that we're looking forward to bringing to everyone here as we continue through this playoff run and all the way through the postseason. Until next time, as if he were here, Andrew Makowitz would want, need, and nay. Demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.